Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. we saw, and as you can verify when you look up into the sky tonight, there's objects out there and there's space. That's basically what the world consists of. And the two dimensions are within you. And humans have become lost in one. So we are here to realize that dimension. Cannot be realized in the future. It cannot be made into an object of a search because it's here now. moment you're looking for it, you create a future. Now what is future? It's a thought form. Apart from that, there is no future except as a thought form. cannot come except as now. So it's now the arising of space consciousness or the realization of space consciousness is here now. For example, it happens when you acknowledge not only the words that you hear. Acknowledge simply means pay attention. Notice. Just as noticing here, there are two dimensions just the same as when you look up into the sky at night, you will find there are two dimensions. There are the words here and there's a silent space or stillness. in which the words happen.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. It's all about trying our best to be as present, but that path keeps pulling you into a tizzy. And we are actually at this incredible point in our history of um, putting in all of the best of what we've got to push ourselves forward. Things are going to keep changing because we're changing. Every few seconds, there's something happening differently in our own physical systems, much less at a thought level, things are shifting. And in previous shows, I've also shared with you what it must have felt like when the candle industry realized electricity had been born and the candles were not going to be needed as much. And I'm sure it took time for residents in those times to adjust, but also who could afford it. Um, and so there was still that kind of a wane, you know, waning little by little until everyone was able to come to some general cons- you know, consensus that, yes, we can all afford light if it's given to everyone at some point in time. And it almost feels like we're in that state now. Um, yes, we feel that there are a lot of individuals, a specific amount of individuals that seem to be holding a great deal of power. And there's an uprising of people in the world that are feeling that, could you share that? Um, Sometimes when you look at what others have and you don't have it, you can choose two ways to go about it. Find a way to humble yourself and um, learn from their way and process and develop yourself or be so angry with yourself that you don't have it and look for other ways and how you can manipulate to get what they have, even if it means bringing them down. So it's very interesting that we've been grappling with that same system for thousands of years, and yet we still don't feel like the playing field is leveraged. But there's a particular area, you know, cryptocurrency, digital currency, bitcoins, and everybody who talks to me about this specific area have seen that I find it to be leveraging system where it's for the average man and where everybody gets a chance of tasting a piece of the pie and doing the best that they can. Today we have Jamar Jones, who has established himself as an expert in the cryptocurrency space and is known as the digital currency guy. He has impacted countless lives with his story and desire to change his life and escape his past limits. Now, Jamar grew up in the inner city of Oakland and escaped the gang-ridden, drug-invested streets and became a successful entrepreneur by the age of 21. His quest to overcome his limits started at the young age of 17 when he actually chose to enlist in the Marine Corps during the Operation Desert Storm. In the Marine Corps, Jamar promised to defend his family, his country, and his fellow Americans against so many domestic and foreign terrorists. Today he continues, though, his promise to defend, but the battle has changed a little. Jamar now helps his clients fight poverty and financial ignorance in this ever-fast-changing world. So as an early adopter of the cryptocurrency movement, he's at the forefront of utilizing this new money as a weapon against poverty. I love it. His message to become financially self-sufficient in one's life has touched and influenced his audiences around the globe. His message has even inspired many to become the first in their families to invest and prosper to change their lives. Today, I am so excited to welcome Jamar James on air. Hi, Jamar. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you're you going to be shocked. I think I might be the only nun that knows a lot about cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going mean, to love it. it. 
<laughs> I have so much information on this. I love this whole area. And I had no idea that today I was going to interview you until maybe just a few hours ago. And I wake up every morning between 3 and 3.30 to sit in remembrance of God, to get myself in check, and to find out what's needed of me for the day. And for the first time, this thought entered my consciousness, Jamar. Um, about a month ago, I had to address a few returning citizens. And I had no idea I was even so passionate about letting them know, look, don't you understand it was a trap? I mean, everybody got caught up in the system. And if you're out there stealing and selling drugs and or killing people to try to get things by just because you want to wear a Gucci jacket or a Rolex watch and then you have to keep killing to try to, you know, provide for your family and stuff, does that make right. any sense? So for the first time, Jamar, this morning I said, I wish we could find a way to educate them on how to invest their some of their money in cryptocurrency. And boom, here you go. <laughs> so welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, I have a, such a huge smile on my face right now because it's, it's the same thing. It's the same energy. Um, you know, I wake up every morning and I go through a morning form of how my day is going to be. And one of the things that, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm grateful for just waking up. Uh, secondly, you know, I go through a routine of, of like how can we make an impact and how can we share. Uh, and a lot of times our, our, our story and our experience, you know, can definitely help others, um, mm -hmm. you know, and inspire others. I'm sure you will. Tell us a little bit about you. And, of course, don't make it an autobiography because we only have 30 <laughs> minutes. When we meet again, we can go into the encyclopedia of who you are. But for now, right. you know, tell me a little bit about where you've come from. What kind of got you to where you are? Like, just give us a little taste of Jamar James. Right. So, I mean, Jamar James, uh, I come from a hardworking family that, you know, my mother was a bell curve for 36 years. My dad was a trucker. And, you know, I joined the Marine Corps to really just, you know, lead a current environment. You know, I, I really am a big proponent of your environment helps you either grow or, or stops you from growing. And so I was able to leave the Bay Area. I joined the Marine Corps. It was a place that I was able to grow. And from there, I was exposed to, you know, larger things in the world where I basically embraced uh, embraced being uncomfortable. And throughout the Marine Corps, I, I invested in real estate. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I always wanted to have a way to be free and think free. I always felt trapped as a kid growing mm -hmm. up. I felt like, I, you know, the, the walls were always around me. And when I was able to get outside the environment, I was able to blossom. Uh, since then, you know, I've been inspired to, you know, share some of the lessons that I've learned and uh, the investments that I've made and, and it basically inspired guys that were probably, you know, similar in similar situations. So, right. You, you, Are you an only child, one? And secondly, did you notice that this was just in you in particular? Because when you would speak to other kids in the block, they weren't thinking the same way? Or did you sense that many of your friends on the block were just saying, yeah, dude, let's just go, let's just get it, but they didn't get yeah. as lucky as you, or maybe the cards just wasn't in it for them? Um, no, I mean, I, I think, I think I've, I've always been told I was special. I, you know, growing up uh, and kind of hanging out, there was a meditation center that was, you know, around the corner from my house in Emeryville and, in Oakland, and they would always invite me in and 
you know, I've always felt special. <laughs> I've always felt like, uh, you know, you know, I was drawn to different people. And, you know, from that experience, I've always been open. And my, my mother, she was a, a uh, mail carrier and she met a lot, she had a lot of different friends and influences. So I was always exposed uh, to different people. And even the people in the neighborhood that, you know, maybe they were doing some bad things, you know, they always kind of navigated or, or kind of were attracted to me. And so I always right. felt a kind of responsibility to like, at least look out or, or take care of, you know, people that was around. And I've always felt taken care of. I've always felt like I've had some type of, um, you know, guiding. Anointing know, over right, you. Right, anointing. Right. Yeah. And, and I've lived yeah. that way. That's so lovely. So what inspired your interest in cryptocurrency and how has it really improved your life? There's so many conversations right. around this. And as you can see, when they had the latest Davos meeting in The Hague um, about two years ago, it's as if they'd put a kibosh on cryptocurrency because it was getting out of hand and the people in power right. didn't have their control over it. And I was watching that particular timeline or that that form. Right. And right. I see that it's going to become the people's money, the people's game. Right. And not just a game of a few people who will squeeze out a little bit for you, you know, if they feel like, right. you know, you're worthy of it, so to speak. So what got you into this whole vortex of money is and and currency? I mean, I I think it's really been a, a calling because when people think about cryptocurrency, you know, in Bitcoin, through our entire history, uh, even you know, in, in you know, American history, who has ever controlled the, the government or who's ever in power controlled the currency? And you look at any empire out there uh, in, in world history, who's ever been, has been in charge, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the government that's been established, they've actually controlled the currency. And when I looked at cryptocurrency, you know, I was in the stock market and uh, I was a trader. And I, I programmed, I have a development background. I was programming, and I know that 75% of all the trading happens is automated. You know, it's, it's computers are involved and people are programming. And so a right. lot of it is manipulated. And that's across all boards. You know, the financial markets in the United States and globally, they're, they're all manipulated. And this is the first, you know, currency that has given us back to our core where before any government was established, people just bartered. You know, they would take, yeah. um, you know, a, a grain from one place, salt from another place, and they would just trade. And people determine the value of things. And cryptocurrency, you know, when I got into it, it's like everyone asked the same question, like, well, who, who owns it? And, and, you know, like, well, who makes the price? And it's like, you know, this is back to our core where now we're peer-to-peer, we're individuals, and people determine the price. It's, it's the basic supply and demand. And you know, for me, getting into crypto is really more than just the currency. It's really the idea that there is alternatives out there. You know, you don't have to think the same way. You don't have to, um, you know, get your resource from the same place. There's actually alternative currency where now we can actually deal peer-to-peer, and they don't have to be a middleman. So my passion about cryptocurrency is really about the freedom that, hey, you know, if you control your, your currency, if you control your resource, or if you have the ability to own it, then you there's less control over your mind. You know, rich people don't, you know, the wealthy, the elite, you know, they're not trying to control all the wealth. They're trying to control people, you know, and yeah, people's mind and yeah. what they believe. <laughs> what they believe yeah. is, 
that's what the wealthy want. You know, they have all the resources in the world, but they want to control what, what people think and how they manage themselves. So I think cryptocurrency is a, a gateway to freedom. You know, once exactly. you are dealing with your own currency, then you have a gateway to freedom. So I've got a question for you, and it might be on the basis of propaganda that I don't know who started, or is it really true? I've told a few friends and people that I like and I'm close to, I goes, you've got to go into it. I mean, I just think it's really the next thing. I think it's important. And what I've heard from a lot of individuals, it's that, well, I'm not into it because cryptocurrency has a lot of dark money in it, dark energy. A lot of people are, you know, filtering their dirty money right. through that. Is that true? Or would you then say, well, they're doing that with banks, they're doing that with money laundering, yeah. that, that we're always going to bump into a few people that will abuse even that level of freedom that is out there through the cryptocurrencies? Yeah, so I, I think you, I think they have it. They've minimized what it is. It's a total opposite. You know, cryptocurrency is traceable all the way through. It's the cash. It's the, the, the banks launder 95% of the money out there. And so cash is what, you know, criminals use to launder your money. I mean, if if I gave someone 100000 in crypto, they know it came from me, and I gave them $100,000 in Bitcoin, we know that it's from one transaction to the next. But if I give a person 100000 cash, they walk around the corner, it disappears, and I never know yeah. where it goes. And so I actually, you know, I, I believe that they're saying that, the consensus out there, perception out there is, is it's laundered with cryptocurrency and it's really a misnomer because it's really, they're trying to control it. They're trying That's to regulate why they, that, trying, I thought that much, you know, and, and I'm not right. denying that. Yeah, I figured that whenever they're trying to slow something down from really mushrooming and letting it be that you are no longer right. the one that has the control, what I've noticed with people in control if you threaten that control, then you see another side of them, one, or secondly, they will do whatever they can to keep you suppressed or under their power or however right. that might be. So looking at cryptocurrency as what is the potential of shifting the whole financial world and also shifting maybe poverty around the world, shifting people's lives, shifting the way right. drug dealers want to maybe come clean, you know, like 50 Cent. Started out illegal, started out with doing the drugs, and then after a while decided, I need to come clean. This isn't the kind of life I want to live for the rest of my life. When we look at Bitcoin, could you share with maybe some of our listeners that are learning more about it, what are they and how does this work in terms of very simple language, please? Because not everyone will get it, Jamar, <laughs> but just right. very simple okay. language. Yeah. So, so, I mean, simple language. I mean, first of all, uh, about 50 cents just to go there. I mean, I think everyone is born naturally good, and their mm-hmm. environment creates that uh, need for survival. And so guys do what they have to survive. But once they're able, they you know, to live peacefully and freely, a lot of people have a lot of good. For cryptocurrency, and you ask what is it, you know, it's no different than in simple terms, to explain it simply. If you go to Mexico, you would have a peso. If you go to Japan, you would have a yen. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, is a currency that doesn't belong to a country. And if we went to an island, we could actually establish banana pills, and we can give it a, uh, a value. We can say a banana pill is worth, you know, 20 U.S. dollars in this on this island. And so 
cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, is a digital electronic file. You can call it a file for simple layman terms that has a value. And in the United States, it has one value. People will pay, you know, $8,000 for one Bitcoin that's broken out into, uh, just say if it was one gigabyte, <laughs> it's made up of uh, different megs, right? And so like a computer mm-hmm. drive has a certain uh, amount. Well, Bitcoin has one million Satoshis, which are, you know, kind of like equivalent to saying, hey, I have one megabyte. And all those megabytes add up to one gig. Well, this digital file is a Bitcoin. And a Bitcoin is sent from one Bitcoin wallet to another Bitcoin wallet, which is a exchange of currency. And if you go to different countries in America, Bitcoin has one value. Uh, you go to Tanzania, where places where, you know, people don't have a lot of faith in the government, and then Bitcoin could be worth $20,000 in U.S. dollars because it's a currency exchange. So imagine going to a airport and you're going to, you know, Russia. When you go there with U.S. dollars, you just give them your dollars. They exchange it for the currency of the ruble in Russia. Uh, if you go mm-hmm. to Mexico with U.S. dollars, they exchange it for the pesos. Well, right. Bitcoin is a global currency that it has a value from one currency to the next. And if you give them that electronic file, they'll give you cash or they'll give you the currency of your choice based on that value. And that value is always yeah. determined by the market. And the market is ran so, by the people in terms of how much they are right. right trading the Bitcoins or buying and selling Bitcoins, correct? Right. So we determine the value. If I walk in a room and none of you guys, you know, no one knows what Bitcoin is worth, and there's just a room, they'll say, hey, I'm not going to pay you, I'm not going to give you anything for it. If I walk in a room and, and they understand what Bitcoin is, they'll pay me with the market value that they feel that they can get from it. And so it's, mm-hmm. that is the established value based on who knows about it. And that's why Bitcoin is spreading, the cryptocurrency is spreading, because as more people learn about it, this is the only place where you can actually generate wealth by giving information to new people. Normally in America, yeah. if you had 100 acres and you gave someone 50, now you have 50 less acres, and now they have 50 more acres. Here with cryptocurrency, yeah, if I give you the information and I give you half of my Bitcoin, and now you value the Bitcoin that I gave you, now both of our value goes up. As it spreads, we're creating wealth. Now, talk to us about the mining aspect, like cryptocurrency mining, and for individuals who might really want to even go deeper into it, isn't that where sure. they basically create the currency of the Bitcoin? Like, Isn't that right. where it kind of originates? And that, I've heard, is also becoming quite a booming market, especially in Europe and in these you know countries. Yeah. So the mining is really based off of the computing power. Right, so the network right. is made up of miners. The entire Bitcoin network for Bitcoin is made up of miners. That means that let's compare it to the internet. What is the internet? Is this the internet is everywhere? Everyone that gets online contributes to be a part of the internet, and that is a network of computers all over the world. Well, Bitcoin has a network of miners, which are computers all over the world, and they're like databases. Okay. And as these guys are online. You know, they actually, so when you send a transaction, it goes through these different network of databases or the blockchain, and it, it routes the Bitcoin from one place to the next. 
and as it gets, you know, from one wallet to the next wallet on the blockchain, and now all these computers make up the network, they're able, they're mining, and so they're mining the network, meaning they're supporting it. And as they're supporting it, they get a little bit of Bitcoin for being on the network. So right. when we come as far as security, when you have a data miner, they're on the network. When Bitcoin is being sent, it confirms. It picks up three or six random computers on the network, and it says confirm these transactions. So every transaction is written to the blockchain and is downloaded to all the miners. And the miners, they're tracking that. And so for a person to have a fraudulent transaction on Bitcoin, they would have to change all the computers in the world and say that this transaction is valid. And that is one reason that the security is so tight. You know, as far as the, the network, you know, there's algorithms. So like I said, it was like a hard drive. There would only be 21 million Bitcoin ever created. And as these computers come online, they're basically trying to figure out this algorithm. And as they figure out the algorithm, it basically produces a piece of Bitcoin and it moves. So now, you know, 17 million Bitcoin was created, 17 million, you know, 100 uh, Bitcoin was created. And every 10 minutes, the network is producing Bitcoin. And at one point, when it gets to 21 million, it will stop producing Bitcoin. That's it. No more codes available. No more codes available. And, you know, the Bitcoin, once it has been distributed, they, you know, what people are anticipating, that Bitcoin increase in profit because it will never be more created. Unlike okay. our currency, where it can be printed, <laughs> unlimited. Okay. So something that you had mentioned about the security being tight, there are a lot of people who are looking at investment opportunities, and there's a lot of information out there that's been advertised. Right. What are some of the red flags or warnings that you would like to give to, let's say, new crypto oh. investors or someone who's right. just interested in getting into cryptocurrency? Right. So uh, the red flags in cryptocurrency, I mean, for one, the whole entire environment for cryptocurrency is about empowerment and ownership. It's about you maintaining your own cryptocurrency. So if you have Bitcoin, you know, a red flag, if someone wants you to send them their Bitcoin, that's like someone telling you that, hey, give me your bank account information. Give me your private key. Give me your password to your online banking. Like the entire goal of Bitcoin is for you to have ownership, for you not to have to trust someone else with your crypto. The scams that happen out there is really designed to get your Bitcoin, for you to give it to them or for you to give them access to your Bitcoin. Um, mm. You know, those are the scams. So there's there's never been a fraudulent transaction on a network, but there's been people that lose their key or someone hacks into a computer. And, you know, their individuals are bad, right? So it's no different yeah, than them stealing okay. a credit card or stealing a, you know, your password to your banking and sending a wire out. That is how most people lose in cryptocurrency is that someone breaks into their computer or breaks into their cell phone and, you know, sends their Bitcoin to, to another address. It doesn't go to a address like a person. It goes to a number, a wallet number. And that is what, what makes it untrackable or, you know, hard to trace is that it, it doesn't go to a physical address. It goes to a number. And then that number can be online or it can be offline. Yes, I get that. You'd be happy to know that on our donation <laughs> link, we have a Bitcoin wallet. This is how advanced we are. And a lot of places. Oh, wow. this, I know. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud. <laughs> I know. I know. And um, 
again, it's like I think the intention is to even develop cryptocurrency uh, as if like how we have ATM machines, one, and secondly, right. to be able to cash out at you know the supermarkets or the department stores using your wallet or using cryptocurrency. So the scope and the expansion of this is huge. Do you ever, ever worry about cryptocurrency becoming outlawed due to its limited government oversight? I mean, to be honest, I can answer this honestly, mm-hmm. I'm more concerned with cash becoming outlawed. And by 2050, you know, all the our generation, our military, our, our taxes, everything is done electronically. Like we're living in a cashless society now, and most people don't realize it. If you ever go to the bank and try to pull out twenty thousand or thirty thousand cash, you'll have a hard time. And yeah. and sometimes the banks won't even have the money there. So, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrency, I can see a digital dollar in the future faster than I can see cash being available everywhere. Because like I said, I mentioned I, I believe that ninety oh well, it's a fact that ninety five percent of all money is laundered through banks and, and with cash. And so I see the government as limiting cash. In places like Australia, they've already limited cash transactions. Other countries, yeah. you know, they've stored, you know, United States cash. They've stored gold and cash, U.S. dollar. And that's why our circulating supply in America, you know, sometimes is is reduced. It's like what happens to this cash? Other countries stockpile it. And so I can see in the future, you know, it's just my personal opinion that, you know, it's possible that we can say, hey, you know what, you know, cash transactions are limited to $1,000 because right. right now everything goes through wires. You don't buy cars in cash. You don't buy houses in cash. You know, you're limited of what you can buy cash with. If you go to a place and you have 10000 or $20,000 in cash, they're going to look at you as a criminal. <laughs> they're going to consider, like, why okay. do you have so much cash? So, right. Right. you know, when people talk about cryptocurrency, I think they don't realize that, our money is already virtual. Our cash is already virtual. We have Venmo. We have PayPal. We have Cash App. Any kid under 10, they're growing up in a cashless society where they're using their mobile phone as a source of uh, transactional values. Do you think that's um, a good thing, just from a, your own no. perspective? I think we're in a, <laughs> a micro-controlled environment where everything can be traced. And, and, you know, I grew up in an area where there wasn't a lot of cameras on the streets. You know, right now there's surveillance everywhere. Now the surveillance electronically, they'll be able yeah. to try. You know, if you're not doing anything, they say if you're not doing anything illegal, then why do you care if you're being, you know, watched on the camera? Why do you care where your money is being, how much, you know, you're doing? But then it's it's like where's the freedom in that? <laughs> right. You know, right. like I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. So I don't think our kids don't have a choice. Whereas right. you know, teaching them about cryptocurrency is like well you know, at least be aware and be conscious, right? You know, we're, we talk a lot about being conscious and being aware. And it's like, you know, this is part of the awareness. And having a alternative right now, learning about the virtual currency, at least being educated, you, we can teach our kids that, you know, yeah, these, these are still third-party virtual transactions. They're still being, you know, managed and there's still fees being made. But when you have Bitcoin peer-to-peer, you know, now we're working directly one-to-one. And I think that is the big reason why we'll have a digital dollar in the future is because instead of using Bitcoin, they would want you to use a, a, a dollar that they can issue. Right. Now, talking about teaching, it's so admirable how you've started the cryptocurrency group, which is really to teach right. investing right. skills to others to improve their empowerment in the financial world. In particular to individuals that are marginalized, or I hate even to use that word, but groups in societies 
that have been restricted and have been oppressed by the systems that have been designed by people in power. How is your teaching helping that genre of our brothers and sisters to give them a chance? Like I said earlier, this was the first time I had a thought that, oh, I would have loved to have educated individuals that are, you know, in these communities where everything is so hard, but to even go and teach them, look, take 5,000 and put this in crypto and just... In another year or five years, you won't need to be doing any of this. Clean your act up. Clean the neighborhood up. Right. You know, this is where my heart just went this morning. So speak to me about that. (laughs) You like it? So, yeah, no, I love it. I love it because, you know, that is a a key thing that a lot of of people, you know, in these marginalized areas don't know they have options. They don't even know. They've never even been exposed to the option. They've never even been exposed to a – Technology. Uh, I grew up in a household where I didn't get the internet until I was 16. I didn't have a computer or internet until I was 16. And so that sets you so far behind because if, if the world is moving towards the internet and you don't even get exposed to it. So, you know, really it's the exposure. You know, I was exposed. I could have got a job at the post office. I could I could have worked at Safeway. I could have had a manual labor job. You know, that was exposed to me. But being a trader or working in the financial markets, I was never even exposed to it. There's no entrepreneurship classes in in public school. There's no you know trading classes in public school. So most people, even athletes, you know they'll, they'll get to a point of success, but they've never been taught about money or finances. So just giving opportunity to expose you know marginalized individuals into a different markets, a way to make money. I've been told that you have to work hard. You work in 16 and 18 hours a day. That's honorable. If you're doing whatever you can to work for your family. Whereas then you have a guy that makes a trade and makes more than you make in the entire year in five or ten minutes because he's been exposed to a different way. So, you know, really the education that I give is, one, is to open up people's mind that, hey, maybe you don't have to work as hard as you thought for your money. Maybe you don't have to spend 35 years at the post office and then wait till you, you use 35 years to retire. Maybe you can actually start investing and have assets and have your money work for you. Maybe getting 1% out of the bank isn't the best route for you or investing into, you know, 20 years and then getting rewarded for letting, your, letting someone else manage your money. Maybe you can actually manage your money now and make percents every day on it, you know. And so it's really the exposure in a different way of thinking because most people haven't been, you know, exposed Educated to even a exposed, different way of thought. Yeah. Right. You know, I've always hated that banks fixed CD accounts. It's like this is such a, a loser way. <laughs> I mean, how long am I going to turn right. over those funds here? But I got a question for you, which really means a lot to me right now. Because of my work with some of these returning citizens, right. have you been doing any work with them to assist them to really get involved and to get educated? Because I think there's something really huge there for them, especially the mere fact right. that it's not been easy for them to get work after they come out of being incarcerated. Right. So I have. I actually, I actually, we, we put in places uh, a crypto space in San Pedro. You know, for guys that you know get out, I basically have a free course for them to take. Because one thing about the financial markets is behind a computer screen or on your mobile phone, no one knows. They can't discriminate against you. They don't know if you're you know black, white. They don't know if you're male or female. They don't know what your record was. It's like you have an equal opportunity in the markets. 
and being exposed to the markets and actually learning about how the market works, you can actually make money in the markets. You can't be discriminated against. You can't be, you know, it doesn't matter your age. You can't be aged out of a, a opportunity. And so for guys that are returning, you know, the stock market is one of the few places. The crypto market is one of the few places. You need no license to get involved. You know, you need no license to trade your own money. You need no license to buy crypto. And so this is a, you know, this is awareness that most people are, you know, are conditioned to someone else giving them an opportunity. Here in this market, you have the same opportunity to learn that anyone else does because it's all new. Cryptocurrency has only been around for 10, you know, 11 years now. And yeah, so this so gives any, any, right, and there's 85% of people that don't, that aren't, aren't, you know, they haven't studied it because it's not being taught anywhere. So no. a person that's re- is returning, he has an equal opportunity to become an expert. Finally, good for you. Good for you. I'm so glad you're doing right. that. Two, three years ago, the Bitcoin went up to about 19000 a coin. Now it's down to about right. maybe seven or eight. I didn't check the numbers today. How high do you see it rising by the middle of this year? Uh, so this middle of the year, we have a, a thing called Bitcoin halving, which basically reduces the supply of Bitcoin, how much can be mined. We have that at the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, we have a thing called a uh, soft fork where they're going to do some development updates. The community is going to update how the network uh, runs, which is going to reduce the cost. And so I see Bitcoin, you know, I, I actually see it by the middle of the year making possibly new highs uh, of, you know, it reached 19000 I see, you know, 20000 uh sometime this year. It's been on a, a forward progress for the last 10 years. I mean, you know, we have ups and downs, and it, and it drops, reduces 70%, 60%, then it, it goes back up two, 300%. So hmm. the projection in the last 11 years have, have still been steady up. You know, if you invested in Bitcoin three years ago, you know, beginning in 2017, Bitcoin was $300. And, it, and since then, hmm. it's been up to 19 It's been down to 13 It's been down at 3 But it started... 2017 in January at $300 right, and it's never right. touched that again. So yeah. um, depending on when you get in, you know, if you're in it for a year, two, three years, you know, holding on Bitcoin has paid off in the, in the last 10 years. In the long run. Right. <laughs> it has. In the low, right. It has. So what's your main message that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? My main message I'd like to leave is that, you know, the environment in which you're exposed to, can actually change future generations. And and so opening up your mind, you know, control, taking over ownership of things that go into your mind and, and also things that your resources, you can actually change future generations, but you need to have exposure. So if you don't know much about cryptocurrency, be open-minded because it is the future and it is coming and it's, we're already here. We're already in a cashless society where you can actually change future generations by embracing and just getting educated. And the fastest way to do that is to be around others that are in it. And so you at least need to be open-minded to learn what's going on. Oh, that's fantastic. So are you on travel? Do you tour around to give more lectures and uh, talks about how people can get involved? And if so, what's your next big Uh, move or your next big deal? So, I actually look for places I can make impact uh, when I get mm-hmm. invited to different places to speak. But mostly, I mean, it's, it's mine is online. I have an online community 
uh, is growing, and we, we call it DCG because it started off as digital currency guy, but you know the DCG now stands for Dynamic Currency Growth, a Dynamic Crypto Group. You know it's changed to evolve so much more than just trading because I feel like it's it's bigger than just cryptocurrency. It's actually the idea that you know we're living in a global market and our global reach is global now. There's mm-hmm. opportunity to do business everywhere, and so. Beautiful. Yeah, there's no limit. And so for me, yeah. uh, I go wherever I'm invited. <laughs> Beautiful. Glad to hear that. I want to definitely have you in Washington or whenever you come to the D.C. area, okay. let us know so we can have you do a, a more deeper conversation as well. I'd um, love to. Yeah. So are you still meditating, even though you had a meditation center on the block somewhere? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, actually, um, that's part of my my program is, you know, we have a morning formula uh in, in trading or in business, you know, whether I'm helping guys with their business or trading cryptocurrency, you have to have a plan. And a lot of times, you know, there's a there's a formula for success, but also there's a internal success that you, you need to have. And a lot of people, even within, within trading, 95% of it is mindset. And so the mindset of even adapting to cryptocurrency is a mindset that the individual has to accept or adjust to. And meditation is a big part of listening to your inner voice, right? Listening to yourself and, and actually asking yourself, what do I think about it? And so I, even with trading, it's a high-stress environment of trading. Uh, you have cryptocurrency, you have value going up and down, and sometimes you need to be still. <laughs> you need to be right. still and, and know how you feel and what's really in your heart. So meditation is part of my morning formula and my mindset calls. You know, time management, mindset, and it's really big on spirituality because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we know that so many sources are fighting for our mind, fighting for right. our control. And, like, what do you believe in your heart? Exactly. And, again, if you can put food on the table and provide shelter for your family, you can go deep into your spirituality because right. it's not kind of pulling you away from just trying to survive. Jamar James, thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to, to be invited and to have the opportunity to share with you guys. Same here, too. All the very best with all that you're doing. Uh, thank you. You, too. <laughs> Take good care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Guys, I'm so excited about this whole idea of cryptocurrency because I really keep feeling about its spiritual connection to connecting us to that we are not only enough within ourselves, but we deserve to have enough collectively. It always feels like an imbalance if only a few have the power and not the rest. And the fact that we are seeing so much of our systems that are being abused and has been broken, we need to now begin to dive deeper and to find the language and the knowledge behind what's going on in our lives and take some responsible steps in redirecting maybe the way we choose our thoughts and the way we choose our choices to help us to really live a, a full life. If you want some more information on Jamar James, please go to see him at digitalcurrencyguide.com for more information and let him know that you heard about it from here on America Meditating Radio. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. And as I've been asking you this year, please let us take every hour in the hour, pause for our traffic control and send our pure feelings and good thoughts to ourselves 
and to others on the planet so that we can get out of this mess that we've put ourselves in. Here is Bliss. This title of the song is called Love. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have the inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.